0: Minoru Suzuki's on the outside just beating the hell out of this guy. He just looks and he sees Liger sitting there and he just reaches across and slaps him in the face for no reason. I'm just imagining a nightmare scenario of you leaving your apartment and there's just a fucking luchador out there and you're like, no! <laughs> 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 and it's just Shit! Just <laughs> oh my god, oh my oh. god. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Wrestling Academy episode 10. I am your headmaster. My name is Michael Classic, and with me, as always, is your homecoming king, Sammy Junio. Sammy, how are you doing this week?
1: <laughs> I'm feeling...
0: I'm feeling good, Michael. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good, but I can't help but notice uh, you got some <gasps> gold peeking out from behind your head. What's going on there? Oh,
1: my, my. This gold right here? Hold on. My camera is my- mirror reversed. Yeah, it is It is a, a WWE World Heavyweight Championship that uh, Randy Orton retired, and there it is dangling from my wall. And, oh, boy, is it so fun to wear it around the house. Yeah,
0: and I have to say that I've... Sammy has been. I, I've been getting photo after photo, Instagram story after Instagram Shameless. story of Sammy just draped in gold <laughs> and looking pretty good, <laughs> if I could say so myself. Just gold uh, suits you, you, you and can't... we got to get you. We got to get you more championship gold. That's what this is teaching oh, me, d-
1: Headmaster. I was already looking at another one, and I I shouldn't. I shouldn't.
0: <laughs> no, I think you should. I think you should. But I also <sighs> was noticing that. You Mm -hmm. were you were showing the belt off, and it was inspiring other people to 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 show off their gold as well. And I think I would like to put that out to our Wrestling Academy audience. Like, if you have any, if you have any title belts that you've ever been ashamed to wear, definitely tag us. Like, show us your gold. Send it to us. One hundred percent. Tag Wrestling Academy, and we want to share your gold too. Like, I think. I'm going to be honest with you, it it inspired me to start wearing my title belt a little bit more. And I think it just kind of brings every outfit together a little bit. I think everybody looks good with a little bit of gold peeking out.
1: I think everybody should have, you know, like basics in your wardrobe or whatever. But I think that a lot of people forget that a, a giant wrestling title championship belt is exactly what you need to tie everything together. You're right. It
0: goes with everything. I was wearing khakis. (laughs) The title belt made it look good. It was good. Yeah, khakis, excuse me. <laughs> gold and khakis, who knew, who knew?
1: <laughs> we knew now. <laughs>
0: yeah. So if you have gold and you want to share it with somebody, please share it with us. And we would like to share it with the world. We think everybody looks good in gold. So show us your gold. So tag us, Wrestling Academy Pod on Instagram or or TikTok or wherever, and we'll share the gold with you.
1: Oh my, my, my. And what is Wrestling Academy, you ask?
0: Sammy, I'm so glad that you asked. So Wrestling Academy is the (laughs) podcast you're listening to, started by the two of us. And I think you can attest, you're a newer fan. I'm a lifelong Mm -hmm. fan. But getting into wrestling can be a little bit complicated. So we wanted to create a place where we dove into wrestling history to break it all down for you and hopefully get you as excited about it as we are. Because I think you can attest, the episode we did today, we got to jump into like a really cool figure in Japanese wrestling that I wouldn't have yes. sought out otherwise. But it was so cool to just get in and talk about the career of Jushin Thunder Liger. That's who we're going to be talking about today.
1: It was, it was really excellent. We're following up uh, Terry Funk, legend, with Jushin Thunder Liger, mm-hmm. also legend. You spoke a little bit about being excited about wrestling. And through the editing of our Royal Rumble episode, mm-hmm. you found somebody very excited about wrestling
0: yes 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 so for people who might not have been aware we uh, for our royal rumble episode when we were going through the pay-per-view we noticed that there was a kid in the background of pretty much every shot of the 2008 royal rumble who was just mugging (laughs) to the camera basically the whole time the only thing we know for sure about him is he's wearing a ween t-shirt And so (laughs) Sammy and I, we we became obsessed with, we're calling him Ween Kid. Sammy and I became obsessed with Ween Kid. We put out the call on social media. Does anybody know who Ween Kid is? And it seems like so far we haven't gotten any clues, but we've gotten a lot Mm -mm. of people who are very supportive of our search. So I think we wanted to- A lot of shares. We wanted to officially on the podcast declare that the search for Ween Kid has begun. (laughs)
1: Yeah. So if you have any insight, like hot tips, tag us on Instagram, TikTok and follow that and include hashtag who is kid.
0: Yeah, we're going we're going full unsolved mysteries here. We want (laughs) if you have any leads like were you at the Royal Rumble with ween kid? Are you ween kid? Do you know ween (laughs) kid? is is ween kid a mass hallucination whatever you know we need to we need to know what you know so we set up an anonymous tip line on our website wrestlingacademy.university so if you have any hints let us know there or if you want to tag us on any of our socials please feel free uh because we're not going to rest until we find the truth about #whoisweenkid who is
1: ween kid who
0: is ween kid
1: who is ween kid and look this isn't going to be a super weird thing. At the very least, we just, we just, we, hey, we just want to talk. Yeah. We just want to interview
0: him <laughs> on the podcast. So not, yeah, nothing weird. We just think we, we and kid, if you're listening, we think you're really funny and we'd love to talk to you about wrestling a little bit. So
1: 100.
0: that's it. Nothing creepy or weird. We just thought, we think you're cool. And yeah, we and kid, we just want to talk. What would you do if we, if we pull this thread so far that it's like, dude, we and kid never existed. He's a mass solution. He's in our minds.
1: Oh, man. Well, number one, I feel like the hallucination would have started with your uh, video editing. So it would be congrats on making a really fun joke in Photoshop.
0: Well, I guess what I was thinking is it's the thriller movie style. We get to it and someone's like, I'm looking at the clips. There was never a ween kid. And we're like, oh, what? No. But No, he was Michael, there. Isn't that
1: you and Sammy in one ween shirt?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like, no, I swear. The Undertaker came out and he was doing the Paul Bearer, like, ooh, like, I swear he was there. And they're like, no, dude. He
1: blew kisses. Yes, <laughs> he blew
0: kisses. <laughs> he blew kisses at Vicky Guerrero. And they're like, no, dude. He never did. He was never there.
1: Oh, my God. That would be. I would I would probably puke. Also, I think this is a good time to admit that I've never listened to a Ween song.
0: So that's the homework. Audience, you help us find Ween Kid. And in addition, Sammy will listen to one Ween song and we'll check back next week to see what you think.
1: <laughs> For 100 subscribers on YouTube, I will listen to one, yeah, one Ween, song. Ween song. one entire
0: Ween song. Because Sammy, I think that's a thing. That might help you get into the... So that you got to get into the mind of Ween kid to be like, okay, you first you have to know why does he love Ween, so we can crack that, and then we can think like Ween kid, and that will help us find him.
1: How much ween have you been consuming since since this discovery?
0: <laughs> I feel like I've OD'd on ween, dude. I just feel like <laughs> I've been I've been living the ween lifestyle ever since ever since 2000, we watched the 2008 Royal Rumble. I've had a full-on ween overdose and then Sammy, we're <laughs> we'll get you to just again, we got to get we got to get in the mindset of ween kid if we want to find him. So we got to know what he loves. Oh
1: my gosh. So, you're right.
0: You're if right. If anybody has any leads or clues, Go to our website, wrestlingacademy.university. We have our tip line there. Or just tag us, hashtag whoisweankid. Who is, ween kid. Who is ween kid? We're going to find him. We're going to interview him. And we're all going to just talk about it. It's like, again, we're making something. It's going to be weird. Yeah. It's fine. Fu- it'll be fine.
1: No, 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 no. Sammy we're and I are both normal people. Weird. You can talk to adults. <laughs> <Yeah>. Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. Well,
0: If it's anything like our commentary (laughs) skills. uh...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll freeze and then you'll be really great. So it'll be good. It'll just be like every other episode of (laughs) Wrestling Academy.
0: (laughs) Okay. And then, as always, we're still on the road to getting a thousand subscribers. And if we do, Sammy will put me through a table for real. And I think just Mm -hmm. kind of based on the research we've been doing this episode... Mm-hmm. You may have a new method that you would want to put me through a table with.
1: Yeah, I think I want to powerbomb you through a table.
0: <laughs> you complain about your knees every single episode. Mm-hmm. And to powerbomb someone mm-hmm. is you're almost exclusively using your knees.
1: That's fine. <laughs> okay, well, maybe in the spirit of our subject this week, maybe I'll copo kick you instead.
0: That'd be cool. <laughs> Ooh.
1: That would be really fun. All right. Well speaking of our subject this week, shall we shall we get into them? Let's
0: dive in. I can't wait. And I I think before we fully jump into the episode, I just feel like when I was a little kid and I first got really into wrestling, there was a Christmas one year where my mom got me a book of professional wrestlers and it was just a book, a bunch of pictures, stuff like that. And it was all from the eighties. And so I didn't recognize any of the people in the book. And so I was just kind of flipping through being like Abdullah, the butcher, who's this? Like, I don't know who this is. I don't know who any of these people are. (laughs) He's in a book. (laughs) He's in a book. But the other person, when I flipped to it, the one person that really caught my attention it's just been in the back of my head ever since I was a kid with this book was Jushin Liger was just a picture of this Okay, the mask and he, he it I think the way to explain it to people who don't really know I've always kind of looked at him he kind of looks like a Power Ranger a little bit mm-hmm. he's got that yep. sort of very superhero scheme but he also has a very cool mask and then long crazy hair and so mm-hmm. it all just kind of works together for especially if you're a little kid you look at it and you're like wrestling who is this and it was Jushin Liger so he's always been a wrestler I've been super intrigued about ever since I was a kid. And I was so happy that we finally get to dedicate an episode to getting to know him a little bit better.
1: I'm very, very excited. And I'm so glad you shared that story. You didn't tell me about that before we recorded. That's very sweet. Yeah. He is our cruiserweight short king. He was born in Hiroshima on November 10th, 1964. I mentioned the date and year because he's a Scorpio. And he's also 56 years old in the year 2024 and he only retired in what 2020 yeah
0: so so
1: he's a 36 year long career
0: yeah and i think that was the thing too that especially when we get to the later part of the feud it's like yeah i, I really like that we've been on a a kick lately of almost exclusively talking about older wrestlers and being like hey just because mm-hmm. you're 50 years old you could still get pile driver it's all right like <laughs> <laughs>
1: age is just a number baby <laughs> Age is just a number, but it was interesting that Jushin was wrestling up until he up until 2020, but he was always in his costume, like he never really took it off. And I just feel like that just had to have gotten so sweaty and bad after the years.
0: Yeah, I also think that that helped with his legacy too, where. Much like Spider-Man, the reason he's so Mm. relatable is because it's like, oh, anybody could be under that costume. I could relate to it. Anybody could do it. And so I do think that really helped Jushin Liger over the years of just for 35 years. He's only ever really been in the costume. He doesn't take it off too much. And so you never really see him age. And so it's just, oh, man, here's this guy who's been a constant on my TV for 30 years. Of course, he's going to become beloved because... He's just this timeless superhero figure that's that's wrestling for you for you could have grown up with him.
1: And a lot of people did. And he's considered he's considered a legend. He's wrestled in around 4000 matches. He's been with New Japan his whole entire career, but he's been in all different promotions, including ones that we've talked about WCW TNA. ROH. I think he also appeared at AEW at some point. He's in the WWE Hall of Fame. He
0: popped back into NXT to wrestle one match.
1: Oh, yes. There you go. That's the one I was thinking about. So he hadn't uh, somebody who's been in the business for 36 years does not walk away without having incredible gold as we were talking about earlier draping and gold. So here are some things that uh, Jushin Liger has achieved some titles that he's held throughout his career. He's held the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship 11 times, which I think is a record. He's held the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship six times. He's had the WCW Light Heavyweight Championship. He's had the WWE Light Heavyweight Championship. And basically, if a promotion had a short king weight class, our boy sweeped in and held that title. And speaking of being short, Keiichi Yamada, which is Jushin's Real name applied to the New Japan Pro Wrestling Dojo and was initially rejected because he wasn't tall enough. And so he's 5'7. He's Michael, you're on the taller end of my height spectrum, but what do you think you'd be rejected from for being too short?
0: You actually just unlocked a really painful memory for me, Sam. So, uh oh. I remember when I was maybe seven years old. I was at the pool and I really wanted to jump off the high dive. And a lot of the older kids were like, oh, you sorry, it's just for big kids. Little kids can't go on the high dive. And they're like, Yeah. And then this kid looked me directly in the face and went, You can't go up there, shorty. And then I went, Maybe I don't want to go up there, tally. And then I like fucking ran. And I
1: (laughs) no. (laughs) And in
0: my mind, I was like, I'll never be short again. And then that I vowed to grow to be Five eleven and a half, six and feet depending on who you talk to and i achieved that goal so that was where it was born i was like no i'm determined to be on the taller end depending on who you talk to because i know a lot of short people who think i'm tall and then i know a lot of people who are tall who don't think i'm tall at all so
1: oh well, you heard it here first folks manifesting your height is doable yeah, it actually need, happens you
0: need somebody to tease you about it when you're a kid and then you'll grow out of spite because that's what happened to me <laughs> What else do you do out of spite, Michael? Live my fucking life, dude.
1: <laughs> and Keiji spitefully left Japan and went to Mexico because he really, really wanted to wrestle, and nobody could tell him no. So he 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 goes to Mexico, and the the lore is is that. New Japan officials went to visit him, and he looked like he was starving, and they felt really, really bad. So they brought him back, and then he was allowed to debut at age 19 in 1984. And his debut match was the first wrestling match held at the Tokyo Dome. What a fun fact, Michael. Very
0: cool. So I think for people who are maybe... Newer to wrestling, the Tokyo Dome is kind of the site of where they hold, where New Japan holds its largest event, Mm. Wrestle Kingdom. And so they have a very deep history with the Tokyo Dome. And so the fact that he got to make his debut kind of on one of the grandest stages New Japan has to offer, that's pretty cool. And it is also incredibly amazing that we were this close to never having a Jushin Liger. It was he was rejected and it was, he almost just, he could have been bummed out and never chose to never wrestle again. And he just so happened to figure out a way, a path to his goal again and was able to get it. But I, I don't know. That one blows my mind of just, how truly how close <laughs> it was just to not ever happening. This guy who's had a 30 year career and is one of the most <laughs> right. beloved new Japan figures was almost like, ah, well shit. They said, no, well, I guess I'm done. <laughs> you know, like that almost <laughs> happens.
1: And that's like a little bit scary. Like how many things have you encountered in your life that somebody was said no to you initially. And then you gave up.
0: I hear what you're saying. I personally mm-hmm. have never been rejected from anything. So, I can course, understand how that might feel for other people, but like, <laughs> yeah, I just can't relate to it personally.
1: I mean, you are, you're you're perfect. You're the headmaster.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah uh... <laughs>
1: <laughs> Back to Jushin. So he's wrestling around in Japan, but he leaves again for another excursion to Europe. And we have yet to hear about somebody going to Europe. A lot of the time we talk about wrestlers going and excurs- excursioning to Japan so this did strike me as a little bit odd because I'm very unfamiliar with what was going on with wrestling in Europe I'm then and then also admittedly right
0: now European wrestling very cool I think yeah. honestly I think you would like it a lot I would say it's closer to the Japanese hard hitting style that you're used to mm, and so it okay. is just a lot of these brawlers from all over, the, you know, all over the place in Europe, just really hurting each other pretty <laughs> bad.
1: <laughs> I love that. I love that for us. And I love, I love wrestling so much. So Keiichi returns to Japan after Europe, but this time he is bringing back the Shooting Star Press. Now, Michael. What is a shooting star press?
0: It's hard to fully I'll I'll try my best to explain, but it's a top rope maneuver. So you Mm -hmm. are standing on the top rope and then basically just do a full flip and kind Mm -hmm. of land head first. And so I've definitely seen and heard of wrestlers attempting it and landing directly on their head. So one of the most beautiful maneuvers that is so Needlessly dangerous that I think it's been banned in the WWE because it, there's just more risk than reward when it comes to it. But Sammy, when you see somebody do it, it's oh. incredible. It's so it's one of the most beautiful It's one of the most beautiful flips I've seen a wrestler attempt. And to know that Jushin... That's one of my favorite moves ever. And to know that like Jushin created that, that's crazy. But I think what what we're talking about when he's designing this offense that you're talking about is I think that's Mm -hmm. a hallmark and that's something that's really important about Jushin Liger is he's coming around at a time where he's an innovator of a certain style of wrestling that Mm. we're all very familiar with now. And so... At the time, these kind of high-flying aerial maneuvers... This was a newer thing, because mainly because he was smaller than everybody else, so he had a lot more Mm. of an acrobatic offense because he could do it because he was smaller. But now, I think wrestling in general has moved to a place where all of this stuff is really commonplace. But I just want to give the credit of putting it in the context of when it was happening and being developed. This was mind-blowing. This guy was pioneering pretty much a new style that the entire world uses to this day.
1: Right, which... It did pose a little bit of an interesting dilemma for me like watching back is that he was innovating all of these like high flying moves and stuff but because i'm only familiar really with the modern times where everybody everybody's flipping and moving so fast and just taking these really high risk maneuvers so i was in this kind of area watching Jushin's like early '90s matches and being like, I know this is very cool, but it is a little harder to get excited. And yeah, I felt like I, I just felt like I needed to share that with you guys.
0: It feel it's sort of like when you're your grandpa or something is like, let me show you one of my favorite movies, and it's an old black and white movie, and you're just like, yeah, oh, man. <laughs> like I get that this is important <laughs> to film history or whatever, but. Yeah. Yeah, I guess the Three Stooges is kind of funny. I don't know. But but you can I think when you get older or you're trying to be thoughtful about that kind of thing, you can look back at old movies that maybe have a different pace, tone or style and can be like, ah, I understand historically why this is significant and why if it weren't for these Mm -hmm. movies, the the movies I watch today wouldn't exist or would be completely different. And I feel that the same is true for wrestling. Where, yeah. yeah, I don't love watching old wrestling matches personally because I, I like you, am more of a modern indie guy. I'm a hardcore wrestling guy. And so sure. I do think a lot of times with those kinds of matches, I have to go back and view it through a completely different lens. Just to be like, I completely understand and appreciate what's going on here, even if it's not particularly my style anymore. So I'm just saying, Sammy, I think it's totally mm. fine. and. Like True Wrestling Academy, you showed up to class hungover and we just appreciate that you're in class. You know what I mean?
1: (laughs) Pro goof, baby. (laughs) Thanks so much, Headmaster. I really appreciate it.
0: (laughs) You're like, oh, I got to go to wrestling history class. Let me just pop on my sunglasses and fall asleep in the front row.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Shooks kicks dirt. (laughs) So- What I've really appreciated about finding out about Keiichi is that in the beginning, he was taking a lot of excursions away from Japan. And I really feel like he was just leaving the country to get, you know, more influences and stuff. So that's where, that's how he's like innovating all of these these moves and stuff. At one point, he leaves again and ends up in Canada. And he famously studies with Stu Hart. And I'm only talking really weird because Michael has expressed a little bit of his feelings about the hearts and how they wrestle, uh, maybe behind closed doors. And now I'm (laughs) exposing him a little bit.
0: (laughs) Okay. Uh, Okay. Here's what I'll say, because I feel like you're making it (laughs) sound like I'm... Doing some kind of hatchet <laughs> job on the hearts. I the hearts are great. <laughs> don't get me wrong. They they wrestle a very technical style, which is not always my favorite thing. So incredible workers, incredible storytelling, and the influence they've had on wrestling as a whole is c- cannot be discounted. Like the Heart Dungeon, I've heard so many people tell stories about that they wouldn't be the wrestlers they were if they hadn't gone through that. Yeah, Hart Foundation, Bret Hart, everything they've contributed to the wrestling business cannot be discounted. But it's just a style that is not my personal favorite. And so whenever I watch it, I have a tougher time because, again, they're a very by the books technical. And like I said, if if you've been listening to the podcast at all, you can hear my biases, which are very much like, all right, sick. But like when somebody get hit with a light tube. And so that's always (laughs) A little bit tougher when someone's like, yeah, no, I do. I I look for a submission hold. And so I work over a body part until I can put them in a submission hold and then they will tap out. And it's like, yeah, that's like a realistic, viable. That's almost more realistic than somebody going on thumbtacks. But me personally, I'm a little fucking sicko. And I'm like, yeah, get a trash can. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, trip a little bit. Yeah,
0: throw somebody. <laughs> yeah, throw somebody in a dumpster, and then and then throw the dumpster off of off a ramp. Dude. Yeah, that's what I'm all about. So, <laughs> not saying that there's anything wrong with what they do. It's just fully not one of my wrestling biases.
1: So, when I was watching all of these all of Jushin's matches, or the ones that I caught anyway, before I was doing any sort of written word research, he's so technical that the words. That you've said about the hearts, right, and about Bret Hart being so technical and clean, were rattling around in my brain, and I went, "Oh, this, this feels, this feels like a heart guy." And then I read that he is, in fact, a heart guy, and I gave myself a pat on the back, and I was like, "How do I, how do I try to trap Michael?" in this week's episode and you did a great no, job of avoiding it. Ah. <laughs> you again cannot be cannot be doofed unfortunately yeah tune in next like week when sammy point blank is like
0: today we're talking about wrestlers michael hates <laughs>
1: <laughs> i actually love bret hart
0: <laughs> i knew right. it i so, knew it i knew it i knew you were gonna it was only a better time 10 no, episodes no, no. 10 episodes i i've never watched i, them. I really never watched them. i've never watched this <laughs> is the first thing i said when you first Look started at my getting history into, when you first started getting <laughs> into wrestling i was like you are gonna say you love bret hart just to piss me off and it took 10 uh, episodes and i did it took 10 episodes
1: and i haven't i have not watched a single bret hart
0: <laughs> You should watch the Moneri fight Stone Cold and they have a double turn. It's actually a really good match.
1: Oh, fun. Okay. So, Kaichi is in Canada training with the hearts. How does he get back to Japan, Michael?
0: To get Kaichi from Canada back to Japan, we need to take a little detour through a wrestler named Tiger Mask. So, who is Tiger Mask? In the 60s and 70s, there was a very popular manga series called Tiger Mask that was about a pro wrestler, pretty much. And so New Japan saw this and they were like, oh, uh, a beloved character who's a wrestler. What if we just buy the rights to this and make him a real wrestler in New Japan? They get the rights. In the 80s, they debut a real life version of Tiger Mask in New Japan. And it's super popular. And it's one of those things where much like in the lucha bros episode when we were talking about pentagon Mm -hmm. there have been five different tiger masks there's the evil black tiger who's the evil twin of tiger mask and Mm -hmm. if you've ever played the video game tekken they have a character named king who's pretty much a direct reference to tiger mask super popular super lucrative so 1989 there is a new anime series called Jushin Liger. And basically, New Japan was like, oh, this was super popular with Tiger Mask. What if we just buy the rights to Jushin Liger and we debut a real-life version of Jushin Liger? And that's exactly what they did. And they give the they give this character to Yamada and they basically call him back from Canada to be like, hey, we got this new character we want you to try. You're you're a Jushin Liger now, and he's been like he's been Jushin Liger ever since.
1: What a great idea.
0: And I think, Sammy, it just got me thinking if you were going to play a character, if you were going to play a wrestler that was Mm -hmm. based off of a uh, that was a a real life persona of a famous character, so a cartoon or a movie character or a superhero or something, who would you choose?
1: I had an answer prepared for you. But then my intrusive brain gave me another option, and so unfortunately, I'm gonna have to go with the other option, and it's Squidward. <laughs> <laughs> this sucks, man.
0: <laughs> what was your original one gonna be?
1: The fucking main gargoyle from Gargoyles. Oh
0: shit! Oh, what's his that name? Le- so cool, Lexington right? or something. Goliath. So you would be Goliath from Gargoyles. Yeah, that'd be sick. But he's
1: right that would have been so sick for me to answer the right way instead of the wrong way yeah dang who would you who would you be
0: i couldn't think of anything cool and i couldn't get past my first thought which was just oh i'd be scooby-doo i'd be like the wrestling version of scooby <laughs> i would just be scooby-doo but uh
1: Ruh-ro. yeah exactly
0: <laughs> and i'd be like oh he doesn't want to fight but would you fight this guy for two scooby snacks <laughs> two Scooby snacks well because that's what Velma would always do she would have this the Scooby snacks in between the fingers so she would be like do you oh. want two Scooby snacks or three Scooby snacks
1: Wait, that's so confusing for children. <laughs>
0: no, you would see the scooby stacks in her hand, though.
1: <laughs> okay, sorry. Wow, that's so confusing for Sammy. Oh, <laughs> uh, <zoink>, Scoob.
0: <laughs> oh, zoink, Scoob. Yeah, um, I guess I would have you be my manager, and you'd be shaggy, and I'd be like, all right, Sammy, I just need you to get really high, and then tell me not to do the fight.
1: <laughs> which is a terrible idea, because I suck high, and not even a fu- in a fun way. My brain just goes, "Yeah, everything is fuzzy. Go to bed. <laughs>
0: Like, oh shit, Scooby's manager is asleep on the outside of the ring. Like, let's go. Or it would just cut to you and you're eating a huge sandwich. I mean, cut to me at any point in my
1: life and I'm eating a huge sandwich. So now that New Japan has given Keiichi this really, really cool character, he's, he's, he's back in Japan. His name, he's going by Jushin Liger. After a little bit, he adds thunder to it. So it's Jushin Thunder Liger. And it's just because the anime. Also thundered, correct? Yeah, so uh, okay. we,
0: we didn't d- dive too deep into the anime, we watched it a little bit. So, I think the premise is mm. basically there's like a legendary being that this kid has an ancestral connection to, and by calling out Liger, he transforms into Jushin Liger, which is this oh, cool sort of ancient demon esque character that is fighting it's like a good demon that's fighting the bad demon that's sort of what i was able to glean from just skimming through one episode but it was very it had a lot of 90s anime tropes to it that uh were not good and i had to turn it off pretty immediately
1: yeah don't 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 give it a look. Yeah,
0: I wouldn't seek it out. I would just stick with the with the wrestler that it's based on. That's just me personally.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's a you're speaking for us now. Um, Yeah.
0: So I think to maybe put it in a context that people might know if you've seen the movie or know the superhero Shazam, it seems like a very (laughs) similar deal to that where it's a kid and then the kid yells out the magic phrase and the magic phrase turns them into a superhero. So Jushin's presentation is almost exactly what the anime character looks like. So has sort of the red and white Power Rangers costume Mm -hmm. and then has a demon mask with like crazy ears and fangs and is is glaring and then has crazy wild black hair. And that's largely the presentation that Jushin uses. And then I believe at a certain point in the anime It became Jushin Thunder Liger and just Mm. they kept it in line with the anime. But I I think the anime went off the air not too long after its initial run. I don't think it's been around for 30 years the same way the actual character has been.
1: (laughs) Good. It's at this point in my research that I just started digging into the matches of Jushin Thunder Liger. I checked out the Super Brawl in 1992 with Brian Pillman. It was WCW at the time. Again, these matches are kind of, they're they're shortish, but I think one of the things that kind of bugged me a little bit about these is that because Jushin is from Japan, there's a heavy USA is better than you vibe. It's kind of a xenophobic
0: tilt to the chance a little bit yeah
1: and uh i didn't love it and it happens in both of the brian pillman matches that i that i watched and i was a little bit like oops is brian very patriotic or is that just this is just the early 90s yeah
0: i don't think being patriotic was ever brian pillman's deal so i think the (laughs) audience was bad (laughs)
1: <laughs> the audience is bad. We were bad in the 90s. Brian wins this match, and he, this they're trading some really, really interesting submission holds throughout the whole thing. So Jushin Liger's, I think it's his signature, or at least he does it a whole bunch, is the reverse surfboard submission hold. And... Basically, what it looks like is, you know, when you airplane somebody and they're like facing down. Yeah. You put
0: your your feet on their on their stomach and
1: on their stomach and and you go up. So
0: the
1: reverse or yeah, the reverse surfboard is the person is on their back, your feet are in their hamstrings and then you're pulling their arms back and you're and you're, you're still on your back and then <laughs> and they're up in the air and it just looks so humiliating and I hope that nobody ever does it to me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think you're safe, dude. I think I think I'll be alright. <laughs>
1: I mean, I haven't I haven't seen any wrestlers in the modern age doing it, and I, I wonder if it's banned or if it's just out of style.
0: Yeah, I think that submission wrestling is its own flavor, and certain wrestlers do it a lot. Like, if you ever pissed off Zack Sabre Jr., yeah, he might do that to you. If you ever pissed off <laughs> Daniel Bryan, he might do that to you, or Bryan Danielson, he might do that to you. So mm-hmm. there are a few. There are a few old-school guys who would surfboard the hell out of you if you pissed him off
1: it just looks it looks so humiliating
0: i'm just imagining a nightmare scenario of you leaving your apartment and there's just a fucking luchador out there and you're like no (laughs) (laughs) shit. oh my god oh ah." my (laughs) god
1: well what sucks what's extra humiliating is the preparation for the move takes a little bit so you put your feet on the person's i think calves or hamstrings and you kind of have to you yourself have to rock back and there is a little bit of okay you have to you have to um you step on them operate you
0: rock them like a rocking horse and then you and then you lift them into the air and so (laughs) there are just so many different levels of somebody beating the hell out of you You're like no please stop rocking me please and then you're up in the air and you're kind of like ah please i can't get out (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're like a turtle who's rolled onto its bag and it's like ah, g- ah i can't
1: get out like, fuck how long do you think it would would it take you for you for you to tap out of a reverse surfboard because i'm feeling like one rock or two before i'm even airborne i'm out
0: oh if they rock you one time you're like i i, I know where this is going i like, like I know what's going on I don't like, even no, no, thank you it. yeah. yeah it's it's one of those things i've i've always been like I'd be so tough and then my sister was (laughs) my sister trained in judo and she was just like hey do you want to see one of the holes I'm I'm learning how to do and I was like yeah sure let's see what you got and she straight up put her put her wrist across my throat and then just locked it in and it's the first time in my life I've ever had my windpipe just fully be like no air in or out it was just like it, it was for a fraction of a second but I can't tell you the panic that happened inside of my head when I was like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm screwed. Ah, ah. I tapped out immediately. Like my sister was just <laughs> goofing around and I was like, ah, ah, ah. and I was like, how long did you have me in there for like, for like a minute? And she was like, for one second, what are you talking about? It, and so in my mind, I was like, I'd like to think I'd be really tough. But as soon as I get up in that surfboard, I would probably be like, Jishin, please, please. <laughs> Please let me get... You know what I mean? Like, I want to think I'd be tough, but I... No, he'd break me down, dude. He'd break me down so easily.
1: I really feel like I don't... I don't deserve this gold that's behind me anymore. <laughs> I really don't. I bought it. I bought it. I'm so sorry I didn't earn it.
0: <laughs> the Liger is gonna kick open your door and be like, I challenge you, dude.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's coming out of retirement to kick my ass and surfboard me. Ugh, I feel like he sucks. could do that
0: while retired. No, No offense, but... <laughs>
1: i mean yeah sure he's had 35 years yeah it's
0: like hey what are you doing in your retirement oh i'm beating up fans i'm just they have belts <laughs> and i'm like just like a I've been collecting them <laughs> yeah they own a he belt really so i've just been challenging them for them. <laughs> man that'd be such a crazy yeah. i would love if wwe started doing that like some vicious heel was just going to fans be like oh you got a belt i fucking challenge you for it and then just taking belts from fans
1: <laughs> yeah yeah a uh a, a a purchased belt actually means your open invite to anybody who can challenge you. Yeah,
0: just Bronstrom and just started doing that, being like, "Give oh me your God. belt," and he was just beating Dude, up. Yep, fans. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure.
1: So, yes, yes, sir.
0: You got it, man.
1: Yep, no problem, dog. You're no nine
0: hundred feet tall. Of you can have it. <laughs> have two. <laughs> yeah, I feel like he would be like, "Give me your belt," and be like, "Oh, that's it's weird because I like I didn't. This isn't even actually mine." So like. <laughs> doesn't bother me he's at all giving
1: him all of your like at yeah. regular clothes belts too yeah
0: do you want my car it's probably too small for you but he's do you want something to throw <laughs> cigarettes a into skate, no big
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay we gotta get back to 1992 <laughs> yeah so what was going on in 1992 sammy okay so brian the way that he pins jushin is is really interesting so he basically tucks his feet into jushin's armpits jushin's on the ground and he flips him over and then somehow gets it so that Jushin's like folded into himself. Mhm. But his he's he's looking upwards and his legs are folded over his over his head and then to add insult to injury Brian goes into a bridge <laughs> for the count out. And I will say that this count out does happen uh, much quicker than all of the other like close pins, close falls, close falls, question
0: mark? Near falls.
1: Near falls. And then it, it felt a little bit suspicious, but I didn't, I didn't see any, any drama following the Super Brawl 1992.
0: So that was in WCW. And then he hops back over, he hops back over to Japan to fight Ultimo Dragon for the junior heavyweight championship, correct?
1: Yes. And that happened in on January 4th, 19... 19- Ninety-three, and this match was actually a lot more high-flying and fast-paced than I that 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 I was expecting. So, this whole time, everywhere is like, "Oh yeah, Jushin Thunder Liger. He's high-flying. He's doing high-risk maneuvers and all this stuff." But I wasn't really seeing it, or I really didn't see that too much at the Super Brawl. So I don't know if it was just that Jushin felt more comfortable on home turf or something
0: i also think too i mean maybe for this one because i think ultimo dragon is a pretty legendary figure in lucha libre i mean from our okada omega episode i I believe he trained okada or was one of the people who helped train okada and so i think you've got a very capable high-flying dance partner in ultimo dragon so maybe jushin liger in this match is able to Be like, oh, let me just let me just have some fun and show everybody what I can do, because Ultimo Dragon can basically do it, too. And if I recall, this is this match. Liger is in a blue suit, right? So he's got a really cool blue colorway to his look.
1: Yeah, he's wearing blue instead of his regular red.
0: Yeah, this match was a ton of fun because I think, like you were saying, this one is just a lot closer to the modern day cruiserweight light heavyweight bouts that we're used to so it is a lot more of guys doing crazy flips and hurricananas and all jumping in and out of the ring and it was a lot of fun
1: yeah definitely so this high flying jushin liger that's made an appearance in this match is kind of what people are familiar with i think maybe i was picking the wrong matches to watch or something so for most of his career. Jushin has been this high flying, like lucha libre submission holds, like high risk maneuvers guy. But in August of 1996, he had to get surgery on his brain because there was a brain tumor in there and he got it removed. And I made it a point to watch a match, like basically right before. August 1996 and then right after August 1996 and pre-brain surgery I watched uh, Jushin and Brian Pillman lock up again uh, in 1995 and maybe I chose this match because it was uh, set in the Mall of America who knows but
0: (laughs) wait hold on they're wrestling in the Mall of America
1: (laughs) yeah they're they're wrestling in the Mall of America it's a WCW event and I mean, there's no way around it. They're in a damn mall and there are like, <laughs> there are wide shots. And you can see people riding the up escalator in the background. And I gave myself a little giggle thinking about, if somebody was wanting to watch the match, like was there to watch the match, but couldn't find anywhere. So (laughs) they had to just ride the escalators up and down through the whole entire show. That's
0: so funny. It's because to me, this seems like a situation where when I was younger, my mom was, not as into me liking wrestling. And so I think if I had Mm -hmm. showed up to the mall to get school clothes or something (laughs) and there was a wrestling match going on, I'd be like, oh my God, mom, there's a thing. She's like, we have to get school clothes, come on. And then I would just be like on the escalator being like, oh man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shucks. (laughs) Just like, uh. that's very funny. So Brian wins this match again with a surprise roll up, but that was a pre-surgery match that i watched here's where it gets a little weird so there are two matches that are pretty soon after uh, jushin's brain surgery one is with ray mysterio at starcade in 1996 and the other so jushin had surgery in august of 1996 and then he faces the great muta in october of 1996 and, like, do you have any background information on the great Muda at all?
0: I don't know a ton about him, but he's a pretty infamous guy. And there's mm-hmm. there's a a colloquial thing that wrestling fans have called the Muda scale. And the Muda scale is how much blood is in a match.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: So okay. all I know is this guy is... A, a real sicko, a real a real violent guy.
1: <laughs> I thought that watching the Rey Mysterio match was going to was like a lot and too much to handle for somebody who just had brain surgery. But then I watched this match between Jushin and the great Muta. And it was only a month after his surgery. And I've gotta say, it seemed like Muta wanted to kill him. He tombstone pile drived him through a table.
0: So he so he had brain surgery a month ago and then Muda is mm-hmm. is targeting his head during the match.
1: Yeah, pretty much. And Ugh. like throughout this whole throughout this whole match, you can tell who Muda is. Like I I didn't have any previous experience with him. Now that we know that there's a Muda scale, <laughs> his entrance costume is also very scary. So he has this intense hooded mask, but the mask itself is like silver i think silver plated and then he has a dragon's head on his shoulder or snake's head maybe and he takes it off and then his skin face is painted gold and black and very disturbing and i think we talked a little bit about how heels uh kind of really slow the pace down of a match and Muda's for sure doing this. He's he's creeping around like the the bell rings and he slides himself, he like slithers out of the ring and he goes and scares the audience a little bit. He's just like ah. But yeah, so it's a it's a pretty savage matchup. Muda's just basically handing Jushin's ass to himself. He's throwing him around. He's out of the ring, he's in the ring. It's just it's really just so uncalled for just regularly, and then the added layer of, uh, oops, Jushin just had brain surgery a month ago. Muda, can you like ease up a little yeah, bit? Can you relax, uh, of dude? <laughs> he cannot relax at all. So he even starts clawing at Jushin's mask, and he thinks that Jushin's just tapped out at this point, so he leaves to go grab a chair, and when he comes back, Jushin's mask is gone and he pops up all, all wild and his face is painted and it's, it's like it's white and red I think it's like very it's very demonic like both of them are now very scary and the, the tides really change and so now Jushin's just moving so evil like he at one point finds a spike and he goes after Muda and you can hear a child Actually start sobbing out of fear because Jushin's being so fucking scary.
0: I think that kid is accurate because the main (laughs) thing about Jushin Liger's character is he's very much like a superhero and he's like a good dude. So to watch, you know, to watch Spider-Man or, or, yeah, Spider-Man or Superman all of a sudden pull off his mask and he's just like, "Ah!" like underneath it. I would freak the fuck out if it was just like, who the hell is this? It's like this guy who's only ever been this, like, I believe in doing the right things. It's the right thing to do. And now he's just like, no, I want to kill the great Buddha. You're like, who is this guy? I, I, yeah, I feel it, for that child. I would be like.
1: <gasps> yeah, it really seems that like as good and chivalrous as Jushin Liger was, Jushin without a mask is as evil as that. Now Jushin's beating the shit out of Muda and it looks like Muda's done for, but Muda is famous for the mist that we see like Asuka doing or Shinsuke. So he mists Jushin and he ends up grabbing the spike and Muda is the one that ends up being able to spike Jushin in the head because it, there is that little bit of a reminder that even though we've just seen Jushin be so evil that we wanted Muda to be okay, he's actually the evil guy. And so he he spikes Jushin. He does this, like, I don't know, like back handspring into Jushin's body. And Muda, Shooting Star, presses him and he takes the win. And after after this entire match there's this like new like evil cloud like kind of hanging around Jushin and 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 new japan named him Kishin liger and Kishin is a term for an evil god which i think was pretty fun
0: it becomes a very very rare form where there's like he's normally jushin liger and then occasionally i think he only ever does i think he does it three times total in his career Mm. where the circumstances get so great that kishin has to come out and every time he does it's a pretty big deal so this is the first time it ever happened and so people were shocked at this they were like I cannot believe our hero has this darkness and this evil inside of him.
1: You got to you got to let a you got to let a good guy be bad sometimes. Otherwise, you're going to get the Keshin. In my, in my quest for finding like, oh, did the did the brain surgery really affect uh, Jushin at all? I ran into that instead of this match that he has with very young and spry Rey Mysterio uh, a couple months after. Rey Mysterio and Jushin butt heads at an event called Starcade in nineteen ninety-six. And there really isn't a lot to to point out. It seems like in WCW, Jushin is is the bad guy. He's the foreigner, whatever. So he's moving really slowly. And when I was watching this match, I was like, oh, okay. Like the the brain surgery is caught up to him. He's like he's moving really slow. But what I really enjoyed seeing is Spry Rey Mysterio did a maneuver that looked a little bit like a six one nine, and I'm not sure if he even coined that move quite yet because this is one of the first televised spots that Ray Mysterio Jr has done That's cool These two Ray and, and Jushin, are you know similarly built aka short kings and I thought that they would have like a very rich long history but it turns out that this Starcade uh, match is the only one that they, the only time that they've met in a singles match, which is interesting, but like Jushin was tossing him around pretty hard. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Rey Mysterio was just like, I don't want to wrestle with that guy anymore.
0: Yeah. Oh, actually uh, it hurts <laughs> when I fight him. I don't want to do that.
1: <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, he's too mean. <laughs> um. Oh my gosh. I forgot. So the commentators on for, for Starcade were Tony Schiavone, Bobby, the brain Heenan. And then, Dusty Rhodes. And I've never really seen anything with Dusty Rhodes, um, aside from like tiny little clips. So I didn't really he's got a very interesting voice. Yeah. He's
0: You heard it, Dusty <laughs> Rhodes, so... baby. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Dusty Rhodes, baby. And so that was interesting and exciting to hear now that I'm obsessed with Cody Rhodes. Sorry, everyone. Yeah, you're hearing but him he talk, being, being
0: like, I love your son.
1: Father-in-law. <laughs> but yeah, Dusty was being so silly and at some point, like, for a little bit, he was trying to gently be like, Well, oh, Jushin Liger, you gained a bit of weight. And I'm like, you just had brain surgery. What are you doing, dog? And so, yeah, so those those were the matches that I looked into. I also did, out of curiosity, watch a match of Jushin Lager's in from 2017, where he's going against a wrestler named Ryusuke Taguchi. And that was more of the same uh, Jushin Liger stuff. He even ended up doing a reverse surfboard, which I guess I love and also hate.
0: I was, I was looking around. I really wanted to find a... Just if there was any cool storylines. And one of the big ones that people kept referencing and kept popping up is they were like, well one of his coolest feuds was one that happened at pretty much the end of his career that he had with a wrestler named Minoru Suzuki. And so Mm. I just dove in on that. And so I think with that base of knowledge was like, who is Jushin Liger? Like what his whole deal is like, let's dive into just a specific feud that he had truly at the end of his career to understand this feud. I think first we need to under, like we know who Jushin is. I think to understand, we need to, get get our head around like who is minoru suzuki so let's dive in let's start there minoru suzuki look there are tons of wrestlers who their whole deal is that they're a tough guy and this person wants to kill you for real and minoru suzuki is absolutely one of those guys but his credentials 100% line up with that kind of character that he plays so more or less his character is like a sociopath who doesn't seem as interested the the thing he seems the most interested in is legitimately hurting people and kind of gets off on it like his character really enjoys that and has fun with it and he has this pro wrestling style that's called shoot wrestling and so to briefly explain what shoot wrestling is in, in wrestling, there are two terms. There's a work and that's everything that's part of the storyline. And then there's a shoot and that's real. So when somebody wrestles in a shoot style, that means they are a lot more full contact than a traditional wrestling match would be. So if someone is shoot slapping you in the face, they're just slapping you in the face. Whereas a wrestler might pull their punch, or their slap a little bit. So Minoru Suzuki does not pull his punches and he's all about chopping and slapping and choking and slamming and his character. That's what he likes. That's what he's all about. And so he has a, a nickname that I've never fully understood. And so mm. when I did the little diving in, people call him murder grandpa. And so but I guess fans call him that. And so I was looking into why is he called Murder Grandpa? What's going on here? And so I guess the deal is he plays the Minoru Suzuki character and then outside Mm -hmm. of the character, because, again, he's had a career for just as long as Jushin Liger has. So he is now also in his 50s. And so there's this man in his 50s who, when he's playing a character on TV, is a real bastard a real psychopath but then outside of it him on social media him when he meets fans is a totally chill cool older guy so he's got real grandpa energy and so he is the murder grandpa so that's that's his whole deal and
1: Uh, i don't know if i buy that
0: Uh, that's look i've seen it on so many forums people call him murder grandpa i never fully understood it but again i haven't really interacted too much with his outside of the ring persona but i saw so Mm -hmm. many reddit stories of people being like he was the sweetest guy and he came up and i was afraid to meet him because i knew about his minoru suzuki character and then he came up and talked to me about the pikachu on my shirt and then we talked about pokemon for a while and he was super nice and he took a bunch of photos with us and then he left
1: i mean i i I, I I buy the the fact that people have had really really good gentle interactions with him, but when you're unleashing that sort of violence, like I don't I don't see.
0: Yeah, dude, I I know, I know. I'm I'm with you. I've seen footage of him doing a pile driver to somebody on a bullet train. So like, I'm with <laughs> you. I'm always I'm always afraid of this guy and the grandpa stuff. I, I also have not experienced. a a lot but i think a lot of people really lovingly are like oh minoru suzuki what a sweetheart i was like where's that part because i've only ever seen the murder part i've only ever seen that he's an old guy who loves to hurt people and get like gets off on it (laughs) so anyways suzuki has been around as long as jushin liger is so he also made his debut in 1988 so he was right around maybe a little bit after jushin liger makes his debut they these guys started kind of around the same time but they went in two different directions so jushin liger he bounced around right he went to canada he came back he became the jushin liger character whereas suzuki followed his mentor out of the new japan dojo and started like getting into the world of legitimate mixed martial arts basically mm. and so he started doing that and so he founded a company in 1993 called like pancreas I think which is based on <laughs> the ancient Greek fighting style basically like the uh, the original fighting style uh, pretty much so it's based on that okay I don't fully know I like looked up a bunch of different pronunciations I couldn't quite get one pr- I was like is it pancreas is that what everybody's saying like I, I really don't know but well, it's based yeah, well, on who's, ancient I'm Greek sorry. fighting, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And as far as we know, it's one of the it is the precursor to modern day MMA. It's like one of the first places that helped popularize MMA as we know it was started in, in Japan. Minoru Suzuki he helped popularize it. So he is just an MMA fighter for like ten years, and he's just Jesus. been legitimately legitimately fighting people he's got like a pretty decent record of doing mma against some pretty tough customers and then Mm -hmm. by the time we get to the 2000s he's now been doing mma for about 10 years and he's like you know i i don't think i'm i don't think i'm physically where i need to be to be competitive in this sport so i'm going to do one more match then i'm going to call it a day and then he's supposed to fight a guy who is the iwgp heavyweight champion in new japan at the time his name is kensuke uh, sasaki i believe is his name and this guy is he's a heavyweight he's mma trained and i think he came up around the same time as minoru suzuki so this would be a thing and i also think in japan at the time there was a lot more cross-pollination between those spectacly things where it's like oh we'll have a wrestler fight an mma guy is kind of a fun exhibition so there was a lot more history of that at the time it wasn't just a it wasn't just a harebrained idea that somebody had it was i think some people had done stuff like that and i think he said he was inspired by antonio inoki who was one of the Mm. one of the founders of new japan fought like muhammad ali so they had a, a like a wrestler fight a boxer and it was a, a interesting exhibition.
1: So this was like the YouTubers box situation, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I'm kind of in a way where they had a they had an MMA fighter. They were going to have him fight the IWGP heavyweight champion, and it was going to be Minoru Suzuki's last official MMA exhibition. But there was a problem. Okay kensuke Mm -hmm. got injured and he wasn't able to do it and so at the last minute he had to pull out so they very last minute were like okay well who are we gonna get to be in this final fight with Minoru suzuki and they're like you know let's get jushin liger to come in and (laughs) the light heavyweight yeah the light heavyweight champion and let's also be clear has had a little bit of training but is not an mma trained fighter he's Mm -hmm. a wrestler he's pretty much been a wrestler and i would say to jushin's credit he took it seriously he hopped in and he went to do it and this is this was not this is not a predetermined thing this was a real mma fight and sammy minoru suzuki mopped the floor with him and i say
1: it ain't so (laughs) he made him tap
0: out in 90 seconds pretty much and it's i i've watched the i've watched the whole match and basically basically liger comes in he's got a a shorter mask and he's mostly in mma gear but he's got like a a much more he's not doing his traditional mask obviously but it's like you can see his mouth you can see his stuff he's his hair and he tries a spinning kick that someone would do in a wrestling match to get things started and suzuki immediately takes him to the ground and then basically (laughs) liger is fighting for his life so he basically like and then suzuki's on top of him and then he's just protecting his face and it's it's ugly. He's trying to get out of it. He tries at one point to spin around, completely gets into choke position. Suzuki puts him in a rear naked choke and he immediately taps out. 90 seconds. That's wild, dog. And I think we have the the context now of if somebody loses really quickly in MMA, probably because of social media, people will immediately just dogpile and be like, oh, this is so embarrassing. But I think most of the time people were like, that was really cool of him to, to do that. He's not a... <laughs> He's not an MMA fighter, and he was pretty cool about the whole situation. So I don't think anybody thinks it's super embarrassing. And I think Suzuki gives him some respect for stepping in the ring a little bit and being like, yeah, man, like good for you, good for you trying trying to do this. In in typical wrestler fashion, Jushin Liger is just like, hey, you may have beaten me, but give me two years. No. And I'll be <laughs> and I'll be able to beat you in a rematch. <laughs> nah, and again, dog. everybody's just like pro wrestling ha 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 it's all good whatever so that is minoru suzuki's last official mma fight and that Mm. is Jushin liger's only mma fight because why would he ever do that again
1: no that's so silly that would so, be so silly. Yes.
0: Yeah, so from there, these guys go their own separate ways, right? Minoru Suzuki, he bounces around a lot of places in Japan. So he goes to all Japan. He goes to another company called Pro Wrestling Noah. He bounces back to New Japan for a little bit. He forms his own stable called Suzuki Goon, which basically means like Suzuki's army. And so it is a lot wow. of these tough hitting brawling kind of guys so now instead of doing mma he's now doing the shoot style in the ring and he's got those credentials for being like this guy was an mma fighter and now he's doing wrestling and when he's wrestling people he's just chopping and slapping the hell out of them and (laughs) seems to really be enjoying it that's the that's the groundwork right that's 2002 we cut all the way to 2017, we're just in a random mm-hmm. match. Minoru, Minoru Suzuki's fighting somebody, I forget who, and Jushin Liger is on commentary. And then, while Minoru Suzuki's on the outside, just beating the hell out of this guy, he just looks and he sees Liger sitting there, and he just reaches across and slaps him in the face <laughs> for no reason. And <laughs> no reason. And Liger pops up and immediately throws a chair at him. And there's a moment where they're just like, like what the fuck? Like you can see Liger getting pissed off. He doesn't know what to do, and All Suzuki does is just start laughing. He's it's the funniest thing in the world to him that this guy's so mad and is throwing chairs at him and stuff. And I was looking around to be like, okay, did Liger do something to piss him off or were they in some kind of feud? No, he just did it. He just did it because he was there. But we wouldn't get the answer to why for another two years. So around 2019, same sort of thing kind of starts to happen suzuki kind of pops out of nowhere and he's just going he just like is attacking liger with a chair and he's going for his mask and everyone's like the fuck like get out of here because like we talked about with luchadors that's his whole identity right he's been doing this Mm -hmm. for 30 years at this point and all of a sudden this this guy is just like disrespecting and is immediately just like yeah let's get let's get this off of here and then Young, they're called Young Lions, but they're sort of wrestlers Mm -hmm. in training who kind of fill in as the ring crew. They come in and Suzuki just immediately just starts bopping them. And we get to this event. It's a three night event called Destruction. And so it runs in three different cities, right? So there's three different Destructions. Uh, I don't really know the name, but I'm going to try my best. So the first one is Destruction in uh, Beppu, I guess. During that match, it's the same thing. He goes through the mask, he attacks the Young Lions. And after the match, Liger basically gets on the microphone and he's just like, OK, you you want to you want to pick on these young guys? Why don't you stand up to me? Like, I, I've been around a long time. Like, I, I'm put I'm sick of dealing with your crap. Like, why don't we just have that out? Why don't we just fight one on one right now? Suzuki pops up from the back and everyone's going crazy. Like, oh, we're about to get this fight between them. He walks all the way to the ringside and he closes the gate and he locks it. And then he just starts laughing, and mm. walks away. And he cuts this super chilling promo backstage where he's basically just like, what'd you say to me in 2002? Give you two years? How many years has it been, man? How many years do you have left? He's like, you don't have years, do you? You have months. You said you're going to retire in January. It's like, here we are in September and it's ticking down. How long are you going to avoid me, Liger? And everyone's just like, "What what the fuck? So then the next night he's like, He's like, I don't want to fight Liger. I want to fight the real you. And everyone's like, what the fuck is he talking about? So the next night, we're in destruction in Kawagashima. There's an eight-man tag. And during the match, Suzuki and his guys, they just like dogpile and they pull off Liger's mask. And it's like, again, we, we, like when we talked about the... Lucha Bros episode. When the mask goes off, he immediately is like, he's not even paying attention anymore. Everybody's running him, they're covering him. And Suzuki's just sitting on the turnbuckle holding the mask. And it's as though he's cut off his head. He's just displaying it. And he's kind of like,
1: Oh my God. Can you believe
0: it? Like, hey, oh, look what I got. And he shows up. He's walking around and he cuts this promo backstage where he's just like, I don't want to fight Liger. I want to fight the real you underneath. I wanna like give me that guy. So then the next night we're at Destruction and Kobe, another eight-man tag. And during the match, Liger is like pissed off. He pulls off the mask. And who do you think's underneath? It's Keishin Liger, a a a persona he has not done. In years he's only Fuck. done it three times right he's now this like super violent thing he gets the spike again and he's like going he he shoots he like sprays black mist mm-hmm. in Suzuki's face and then he like f- like falls back onto a table and he runs at him with the spike and he stabs into the table Suzuki jumps out of the way just in time but like you see the spike go in and you're like if he hadn't gotten out mm-hmm. of the way he truly would have been fucked he, he spikes it so hard he gets disqualified and he's just like absolutely like beating the hell out of suzuki and how do you think suzuki responds when he gets backstage he's covered in in oil he's just laughing his ass off and Uh he's basically just like finally man like let's do it let's do it and so they set up a match for a month later king of pro wrestling and basically jushin liger is really disappointed with himself where he's like i can't believe i stooped to that level i can't believe i let like that darker side of me so you will get me at king of pro wrestling but i'm gonna be a different version of myself and it's a a new form called battle liger and Mm. i hadn't heard anybody talk about this but it was basically kind of the best of both worlds i have kishin's intensity but i have the moral compass of jushin and in between i'm able to like access both sides of myself to tap into this fight i'll be honest with you i I didn't hear anybody talk about this but i was looking at it i really felt like battle liger looked almost exactly like the mask he wore at the mma fight that he did Mm. in 2002 so it really felt like he was referencing this ain't this like old fight that they had to like kick this all off this thing that they had not touched in like 15 years, something like that. when they're doing it, I'll be honest with you, when I was thinking about it, I was like, I don't understand why everybody is so drawn to this match. And then it really started to click for me when I saw them make their debuts, right? Where Jushin is this bright, colorful superhero figure and Minoru Suzuki, who's been around almost as long as him, is almost the exact opposite. He's just wears all mm-hmm. black. His whole thing is intensity and sadism. And so you have truly a superhero, super villain set up just right at your feet. And they haven't really interacted all that much. So walking into this, it was it was strange. It was a very strange match that it, it took me a little bit to wrap my head around what the story was like, what they were doing, because it just to me. don't get me wrong it's hard hitting they're going outside the ring they're getting chairs involved they're getting tables involved they're slamming each other into the into the iron gates and it just felt like suzuki was holding back the entire time almost like he was waiting for Hmm. something like he's doing the match but But he he's sort of waiting for something inside of of Liger. That's what it felt like. And they're like, they're going, they're ratcheting up the intensity, but it still to me felt like Suzuki was holding back the entire time. And it gets to the point where this is a trope I've seen a thousand times in Japanese wrestling matches, but I think it was really effective here just because two guys they're in their fifties they have this long history with each other and it's a test of strength two men stand in the middle of the ring and they basically just trade chops or blows and it's just kind of who's gonna fall first and Mm -hmm. they're going they're trading they're trading they're trading and then something kind of snaps inside liger and he just starts like He's no longer going for the chest. He's like slapping him in the face. He's slapping him as hard as he can. It's like tension, 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 hitting him, hitting him, hitting him. And I felt like i you could see something inside of Suzuki where he's like, finally, there yeah. you are. And then just with that, he plants him immediately. Like he for the first time, I feel went like full strength and he just like knocked Liger the fuck out and he like oh falls God. and then when he's down he grabs him and he sets him up for the pile driver then and only then is he able to hit the pile driver and put him down one two three he gets the pin right but he's not done yet he's like i unlocked it within you like i destroyed your fucking legs." he rolls outside the ring he grabs a chair and the young lions are inside their room because it's like yeah liger's like center of the ring oh it looks gosh. like he's fucking dead and so it's like they, they slide in, they roll and they try to get him. Suzuki sees the two young lions and he just starts peeling them off with chairs. He like hits him. He beats them up. He throws him out of the ring. And then he just sees like defenseless in the center of the ring. He sees Liger just sitting there lifeless and he raises the chair over his head. And then he throws the chair out of the ring. And then he does like a full, like on his hands and knees bows to Liger. Oh, wow. And everybody goes like, Oh, like it's like it was a a tension release like I like you rarely feel where it was just like wow. this guy who's been nothing but a bastard his entire career had to give it up for Jushin Liger. And it was really cool. I saw this quote on Fightful where they did like a little bit of an interview where they talked to Jushin Liger about the whole Minoru Suzuki feud. And I'm going to just read it here because I feel like it really helped me understand the story and what they were really going for and then when you Mm -hmm. see it when you see it build to that i was like this is super beautiful actually so i'm going to read the quote now it says at the end of the day suzuki and i both did our learning in the fujiwara dojo our roots are the same and to an extent i understand where suzuki was coming from arguing about me going quietly into retirement. But to get to that singles match, man, he made my blood boil. I've been, I have been—I had been seen as this kindly old man figure because I was retiring. Pro wrestling is combat, though. If you're not in that mindset, there's no point in being in the ring. I'd be lying if I wasn't a bit vexed that, that Suzuki carried me so completely in the palm of his hand, but he understood just who Jushin Liger is, and he lit a fire under my ass, too. That's why I thanked him on the mic, perhaps." And so it really was like, oh, what Suzuki was doing was just like, I know that you're a real fighter and everybody's just thought you're this old goofball in a you know, in a superhero costume, but I know that you're actually a fighter and I wanted to fucking bring that out of you and it wasn't until he like broke down and out of anger just started <laughs> slapping Suzuki that he was just like, there he is. Now you can retire. I got goosebumps, Damn, dude. dude. That shit's
1: crazy. Ah! Yeah, I got goosebumps. That's wild. Are on... you the Minoru Suzuki to my Jushin Liger?
0: <laughs> I honestly feel like you're more of a Minoru Suzuki than I am.
1: Because I'm evil.
0: <laughs> yeah, but also that you like get off on it. <laughs> <laughs> So rude.
1: So rude. Not true. Keep it in.
0: (laughs) As we said, this this was not his final match. He would go on. So this is in October. He would go on to retire at Wrestle Kingdom, which is sort of the New Japan version of WrestleMania. It's the biggest event that they have on the card. So he would go on to have his final matches there and then he would be done. But I think most people were like. What an incredible last feud that he got to kind of sneak in under the buzzer. Yeah, it was just really cool.
1: I do really appreciate the, oh, I'm going to retire in a year or two and then wait for that storyline that is able to sprout out of there just at the last moment. That's really like, that's that's very cool.
0: Yeah, when they announced the retirement ahead of time, it really did. And when you watch that promo, it's so chilling. And I understand where people were like, oh. Minoru Suzuki, his character is kind of a mob boss. And when you see it, he's mm. doing it on his hand. He's ticking down. He's like, How many months? Yeah. He it was like October, January, November, January. Then what he. It, it's just, it really. Oh. It was so, yeah. It was so calculating and so evil. And then, yeah, just watching him have the mask and, and playing with it.
1: That's crazy.
0: Was so diabolical that it made me I really understand Minoru suzuki in a way that i never had i i always understood that people thought he was kind of cute and i almost feel like it's ironic a little bit where it would be people being like oh nick gage he's so adorable and you're like yeah he also pizza cutters the fuck out of people so i don't know what you're (laughs) sure i don't know why we're making him cute like he seems like a nice enough guy but he wants to hurt you that's his whole deal that's what that's what he loves that's what suzuki loves too (laughs)
1: <laughs> right. Oh man, that's good. That was good. Thank you, Michael.
0: Yeah. And so, Sammy, that that's Jushin mm. Thunder Liger. We got we it's we Jushin got into Thunder his history. Liger. We got into his very last feud. What are your thoughts? What did you take away?
1: I I think that a a slow burn feud that somebody puts in their heart in two thousand and two and releases years later. Probably the best type of feud that ever exists.
0: It's. I think it's a lot easier to have a story with someone if you really are able to mine your personal history with them. I think that always leads to the best results. So obviously, these guys have a lot of respect for each other. It's Minoru Suzuki, he was not liger was not his first choice but he still he still did an mma his last ever mma fight with him and so (laughs) like there was there had to have been some kind of respect there and so just to be like okay cool these guys have been aware of each other they've been fighting and then they're able to mine that personal history to then tell like one cool this is my one last shot story and i think that's great and then minoru suzuki still wrestling Jushin liger retired and these guys are old school, and so they did the old school thing where since Jushin Liger was on his way out, he wanted to make Minoru Suzuki look good for being the guy who beat him one last time. I love that. Yeah. I love
1: that. And Jushin Liger is a, an incredibly legendary, decorated wrestler and foundational wrestler, I'd say, for for a lot of people.
0: Absolutely. And I think we touched on this, but I just wanted to underline it here, especially after going through and seeing, like we mentioned, we he was in matches with Rey Mysterio, who I think most people would Mm -hmm. say is one of the most influential high flyers in wrestling. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: He was wrestling Jushin Liger when at the at the midpoint of Jushin's career, he was helping this young up and coming high flyer who would go on to change the game. Rey Mysterio was probably so greatly influenced by that. And there are so many people who are smaller high flyer wrestlers that wouldn't do what they're doing. If it weren't for the influence that Jushin Liger had just because again, he was a smaller guy. He wanted to wrestle. They tried to tell him, no, he almost, but he didn't, he didn't accept that answer. He like, he, he tried to make it on his own and almost out of pity, they let him into new Japan. And he went on (laughs) to have one of the most influential, careers of all time and so i just found this episode so incredibly inspiring because i'd always heard the name i always heard how much respect people had for him and that was the main thing i found in my research was just so many people who maybe got their start in japan or now in wwe anytime somebody brought up jushin liger everybody would talk about him as though like kind of like terry funk like we were talking about one of those folk heroes who is so important to this wrestling business he completely changed it and popularized it and i It was one of those things like um, I I didn't know that much about him because it wasn't inside the bubble of what I focus on as a wrestling fan. And that's just another Mm -hmm. reason why I love doing this show and doing this podcast is we get to get outside that bubble whenever we can. And yeah, it takes us to the 80s and maybe wrestling matches that (laughs) we understand on a theoretical level why they're important, but they don't quite have that same tension that modern matches do and just kind of... Mm -hmm expand our palate and i think that's how we get better as wrestling fans is we we taste some stuff we're like hmm on first viewing this tastes bland but when i dig deeper there's actually a lot more complex flavors happening here and it helps me appreciate all of wrestling as a whole so we can be better fans moving forward
1: headmaster's gonna headmaster that was really nice michael
0: i guess i was just trying to say like it's okay when wrestling's boring (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I, I I don't want anyone to to be upset about to be upset at me. You can you can be a little mad at me, but just if you want to talk to me about it, come with kindness and just if there are matches that you know are very very good and want to to show me uh something that I didn't see with the matches that I watched, then send se- send them over. I'm happy happy to be learning from not only Michael or Wikipedia, <laughs> but also listeners.
0: Well, we just wanted to thank you for listening to Wrestling Academy. It's hosted, produced, and edited by me, Michael Classic, and you, Sammy Junio. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Wrestling Academy Pod. Send us an email at WrestlingAcademyPod at Gmail. And honestly, if you have any tips on Ween Kid, we need... To find him, shag us. Hashtag whoisweenkid. Get in touch with us. We need to know. We need to find this guy and talk to him about wrestling. Nothing weird. We don't want to be weird. Don't invade this guy's privacy. Not, not
1: weird at all. No weird. <laughs> no weird. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts. But check out Spotify where we have polls and Q&As for every single episode. Check out our website, wrestlingacademy.university. That is where our sweet little hotline is to find Ween Kid. And yes, that is our real URL because we commit to any and all bits. Class is dismissed. <laughs> We're
0: coming for you, ween kid. We're going to find you. <laughs>
1: Let's get that weed kid.